Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. This blog is part of the series Revising History, in which we share our best subject specific ideas for helping students to prepare in these final months before their exams. This blog is called Revision Techniques Tried and Tested. Hi, Sally. Well, Hi. <laughs> God, this is an exciting time of year, isn't it? Mm. You know, I think there are certain principles to this. And the biggest one is to keep it fun because, my God, the will to live can drain away really fast. And um, keeping it fun, keeping it varied, keeping them on your side yes. <laughs> and keeping them going. And I know we all know, don't we? It's a complete mixture of kicking the right ones and nurturing the others. And obviously that's yes. metaphorically <laughs> kicking. You understand. But uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Just <laughs> keeping, I just think as well, sometimes I have I've seen um, some colleagues do more of the work than the kids and I've always thought that was a bit of a trap so I think another principle for me as well as keeping it fun keeping it varied would be keeping them doing most of the work Absolutely. Um, if you start doing the work something's going wrong because you've got the GCSE <laughs> or the A level but I do think um, fitting it to the group and, and not being afraid of games I like oh, a good yeah. game have you got any good games? Oh, yeah, I've seen some fantastic games of revision. And most recently, um, I have to like, name drop my PGCE student, Gabriel Wren, um, who's he's introduced us to uh, something called he calls source tennis. So students are in teams um, and they they have a source on the board or and they have to say uh, words relating to the source. So I think when I started teaching, um, I'd have called it mallet's mallet. Um, but I stopped using that game when I had to explain it to other teachers. And I realised how outdated my cultural references were but anyway so the source tennis works in a similar way it's word association well but you're associating the words with the, with the source um, and what I really like about it is that it's really helpful for kind of spotting misconceptions um, and just small inaccuracies because they're making those decisions really really quickly so it's quite easy to to kind of um, spot where they where they're maybe not quite getting it right um, well how about you have you, have you got a favorite game for playing oh I like I like having a whole series of them so um, I like Getting them, getting them in, sticking a post-it on their foreheads with the simple "Who am I?" I usually do the events and people, and I scribble them on the post-its before they before they arrive. So slapping a post-it on the head, you have to actually get them a bit of a tip to hold their post-it, otherwise they fall off with greasy teenage <laughs> foreheads or too much foundation. But you know, sellotape's not good, so getting them to hold it usually works. Um, so I usually do events and people from the topic. You, you, you know the one I mean, where you just basically the kids can only they can then they can't see who they are. Or what yeah. they are and they can only ask questions that lead to yes or no until they guess the answer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so when they've all done that then those people and events i stand them in groups small groups or the whole group depends on the type of class you know playing yeah. to the audience <laughs> and get them to say i'd have a link to x because y lots of times so 
to actually do some real linking across. So it might be people. So, uh, oh God, if it's my A-level class and it was like add an hour or whatever, it might be I've got a link to Earhart because um, I was the German Chancellor before him. So it's that sort of thing. Lots of right. more sort of connecting knowledge. And they're only allowed to the link to the same thing once, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm very open to um, uh, using bribery as well. So I, I always have really crazy amounts of Smarties or, or jelly tots or things like that or, or jelly babies. Um, and so if they can get into chronological order in a crazy short time, um, then, you know, they get Smarties. Um, and then I might with the same thing. See, see what I mean by not doing too much work, basically milking <laughs> the same thing and then challenge them to organise themselves into some sort of other sort of order. And they've got to tell me what they've done. So they might. I mean, typically they put themselves into a theme, um, but it's a bit, oh, more of a, part, bit more of a party game type approach. But yeah, you know, same key info being used over and over and over again. Um, but I, that's why I tend to write the post-it notes initially, because then I've decided what the sort of key info is and where I want it to go. And then I, obviously I can chat with my teacher talk just to make obvious links as we go along or when I spot that they're a bit wobbly. Or we can yes. just sort of like downtimes and do something. Yeah, yeah it usually good. works quite well. Keeps them up and about as well. I quite like up and about at that time of year. Yes, I think they, they get a bit stagnant otherwise, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, although one something I like, although it's mainly a sitting down one, is um, is categories. Um, so I don't know if you've ever played categories like in the real world, uh, oh. but you have. Oh, it's, I love it. You have 10 or 12 categories um, and you have to think of a word for each one of the categories, all beginning with the same letter. Um, so uh like in in real categories you have a dice but i just use a random letter generator that i find on the internet um, and i use it most often with a level students but it's a good occasional quiz for gcse as well because it really gets them thinking creatively about the topics um, and it's a good way of getting them practicing retrieving the kind of more obscure bits of knowledge um and you know um that they get, uh, as in real categories, they get extra points if they can alliterate. So um, if they use, for example, sharp-eyed synonym, um, they'd get two points instead of one if the if the letter was an S. Um, and that that's a really nice way of kind of if they're using adjectives to describe um, kind of key figures or topics, then it's a really good way to sort of check their understanding that they they understand, you know, the the kind of broader significance of those of those things um so i write my own categories for each unit that we teach um so for medicine i've got medieval early modern industrial and modern and then ideas about disease treatment prevention a key figure a western front a western front is the historic environment that goes with that development study um and a wild card so they can just come up with anything um and yeah i i really like that one my my sixth form is last well two years ago got so competitive with it that we had to stop playing <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> they were challenging each other all over the place, but it made them really think about the content. I thought yeah. it was really good. Oh, that's a gorgeous one. That's a gorgeous one. With um, um, sort of slightly perhaps low retaining students, sometimes I found really helpful to go back to good old snakes and ladders. I mean, to be honest with them all as well, but um, I don't ever let them draw their own grid themselves. And I often sometimes even put the snakes and ladders on because I can't bear watching children faff about drawing things when they should be doing history. Um, but that's just me being a grumpy old git. Um, but actually deciding which are the biggest snakes and the biggest ladders and obviously the scale of them, the smallest ones too and the ones in between is really good for things like Weimar Germany. Um, you know, what the, which was the biggest problem Weimar had and that's the biggest snake um, and which is the biggest positive about, you know, why did Weimar survive, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I found that has been quite a nice, again, way in for 
you know, particularly sort of middling or perhaps less, bit less confident students. And yeah, those that get a bit bored of me leaping around playing party games. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a relief. I like, I like that one. That's yeah. So you kind of they're doing a bit of categorisation at the same time as, as thinking about the content. I, yeah, I really yeah. like that. That's yeah, they can obviously they have to write on the head and they have to get the date and the whatever. And then they can, you know, if they if they if, if I'm really nice, then we might play it. But that obviously <laughs> takes up a bit of time. But sometimes, you know, I would even do that for a few minutes just to buy a bit of goodwill. You know, again, yes. it's, that, it's that will to live bit, isn't it? Yeah, you can you can be like, oh look, in the lesson we're going to make this game, and then you know, after school for intervention, you play it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See how many you get. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I'm starting revision with with my students, which hopefully will be in the next few weeks, what I try to do is um, draw all of the content together into like one big whole, so that we can get an overview of all the topics together and look for crossovers. And I picked this idea up from an SHP workshop by John Stanier a few years back. Um, so he explained that he uh, begins his GCSE teaching with one lesson in which he teaches all of the topics very very briefly, so like everything, the whole GCSE in one hour. And then the next lesson, he'll teach, say, all of the development study, for example, slightly less briefly. And then he'll kind of move on and he'll teach like all of the medieval section very briefly. And then so he's constantly like uh, cascading down and going into more and more detail. So um, he kind of explained this as a, like the reason for doing this is that, you know, he's making sure that students have got an overview. So they're constantly hanging their knowledge on it as they go. And they, they've got, uh, they're sort of repeating key topics and key terms all the time. Now, I, I full disclosure, have never managed to be organised enough to do this at the start of the course. Um, but it is how I try to begin my revision lessons, because I find it really helpful to draw out common bits of content so for example I would use smallpox to link our medicine Spain and Elizabeth units for example um, and you know I've, I've also done this before as a on the old GCS is a really massive card sort so if you can face all the cut again I don't like I, I don't like kids cutting in like they don't need to cut in lessons. They're, they're very fastidious about making sure that it's straight. I'm less. I care less about that. So if you can face the cutting, um, then they can categorise all those words, put them into the different topics. Um, and then you could use those to get them to write definitions on the back and they could use them as flashcards in revision. So it's just a way of yeah of getting them to categorise the different books. They probably hopefully by this point have quite a lot of knowledge in the old noggin. So they just have to try and make sure that they can separate those out into the different topics. That's lovely. And, and using it in different ways as well. Yeah, I've do, I do. I have sets and sets and sets. And even more so, thanks to the God that is Ian Dawson, who gave me his <laughs> set of tabards. I have got oh. tabards everywhere. And this is, I mean, I think Ian, did he, I think Ian did invent the tabard. Surely, didn't he? I think this surely. has been established. <laughs> so coming complete homage to, to Ian Dawson. But I've just used them all the time in revision. I think they just come into their own massively then. So set of tabards with the centuries. Um, written on and you can use these in so many different ways so putting um for, for those of you that don't know a tabard is simply a folded over large piece of sugar paper with a hole cut out and it goes over a kid's head and it has 10th or 11th or whatever written on it or it can have other things it can have things like Anne Boleyn written on it or actually when you're doing something like the Wars of the Roses it can have all the different characters written on it and then they can have to explain through the different time periods who they would have associated with that gets very complicated more of an a-level one but um <laughs> if you just use the centuries then actually that's gorgeous for the big long uh, thematics so fancy uh standing them all in a row and then in which century was it best to be a germ that's a nice ah, one ah, nice yeah. really good <laughs> 19th century is a really interesting one <laughs> yeah. 
And then you can ask them to do things like um, all sit down, but then stand up if the theory of the four humours was still really big in your century. And that's good because, of course, they can see that, in fact, for most of the thematic period, this total nonsense is yes, yes. is dominant but actually they can you know seeing that is is really really useful yeah. um obviously you can do it with lots of other topics like in what century was it good to be a woman uh that's a that provokes interesting discussion yeah, as well yeah. the discussions you can have around it are, are good um and it, it you can it, they, it can get a bit hilarious if you've got somebody that's half up half down because if you talk for too long you can see their eyes start to water as their thighs <laughs> give way so you know it's also, it's also good if you've got some lads who think they're really hard yeah. um but i was just thinking that in fact you're linking up um, you, it also connects to the tabards because the fact you've got the centuries there, you could almost pick from across the whole of the four GCSE units and say, right, what have we got that happened in this century from something from each unit? You could almost have some of them lined up as centuries and then others of them sitting down, but actually having a bit of a competition with each other to see if they could name as many things as they could within a oh, century yeah. from across all the four contents. You know, just get it all out there and then, yeah, unpick it and recategorise it. Yeah, that's good. So sometimes I do um, like a, a house challenge. We've got a house system at school. And um, so they have a different, each house has a different coloured pen and they have to run to the sugar paper and write on the sugar, on the sugar, like everything that they can remember. So, you know, if you've got pretty robust tabard wearers, then you get people <laughs> running at I them. I write on them. I love it. On them. Yeah, Writing yeah. on my friend. That's going to go down really well. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant idea. Well, yeah, you know, I I use I use a lot of different crowdsourcing activities uh, like in the final weeks. And I love some sugar paper. In fact, I have just made my sugar paper order for the run into the exams and um, three large packets of sugar paper. Please don't send me any black sugar paper. What is the point of that anyway? So I think it's really effective when you're kind of crowdsourcing it together um, because th they have to talk to each other about the content that's going on that that paper. And we um, my favourite thing to do is to plan answers to exam questions. But um, I use tabards for this as well. So you might have three groups that are looking at um, or, or one group that's looking at a, a argument for a statement and um, other, another group that's looking at arguments that are against. And then once they've got those tabards on with, with those arguments on, you can have the whole class say, OK, well, let's try and organise this argument. How do we make it strong? What needs to come first? What needs to come last? Um, how are we going to link these together? Um, so just, yeah, that, that I, you know, they might, because I think a lot of students, they might be able to remember quite a lot of information, hopefully they'll be able to remember quite a lot of information, right. but that idea of sequencing it is something that if you're able to have that verbal rehearsal, um, with, with a group with, you know, with your peers, then I think it's really helpful. Um, and I tend to choose the groups quite carefully myself and I don't let them choose their own groups at this stage. Um, and it's sort of based on performance in the last mock or something similar to that so that I could really target my support with the weaker students. Um, and sometimes in the yeah, past, I used to, I had loads of windows where I used to work. So we used to do this in chalk with chalk markers on the windows and then it's a bit more permanent so they can kind of see it every week. And the other thing that I really love to do is if you've got the kind of desks that don't mind being written on, um, then you can join them together in, into long lines and have students recreate content timelines on them in teams. 
So they have, say, five minutes to write everything they can remember, and then they might have 30 seconds to go and steal from other groups and that sort of thing. And those can be photographed and shared. And, yeah, so it's a really, I quite like doing that. Failing that very, very long roll of wallpaper lining from a shop left over. I I once had such fun with a group with that. I mean, I've used it so many times, but one group, it just really took off that when they finished their final exam, they came to me and I said, what do you want? And they went, we want wallpaper. And I went, what do you want to do? And they said, we need you with a camera. And they basically (laughs) went outside and they wrapped all this paper around themselves <laughs> and then all their faces were sort of peeking out the top and we took a big picture it became this sort of like joke it was like the history classroom wrapped it was one yes. of them had been an artist you know and he's seen that whole thing about the Reichstag wrapped so oh, it was right. like that it was really cool it was the history class wrapped you know? <laughs> that sounds great you mummified history yeah mummified history class <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so what else so I think consistency is like really important when it comes to revision so I try to begin all of my lessons with a word wall Um, it's just a slide with a grid of keywords from the topic and I take most of those off my knowledge organizers so once it's done um, they're helpful for like the the big card sort that I talked about before making flashcards all sorts of things if you use the same word wall every lesson then they start to be able to spot where the different words are and I saw a great teach me presentation once um, at Clarendon College in Trowbridge I think it was Ian Cass and he just gave he gave out like dozens of ideas about what you can do with a good word wall um so the, my favorites are so pick three that have something in common and i will guess what they have in common so that's that's quite nicely like challenging me um or if i was asking you this particular exam question which words would you use to to answer in, in your answer to that question um or pick five or two or and write definitions or quiz questions with them um yes yeah, so just endless possibilities for once you've made those word walls for using them i think it's great yeah lovely and that's another example of once you've made them they're doing the work again aren't yes. they which is which is the principle <laughs> i think there is a really boring thing that needs to be said though isn't there which is just familiarization with the actual exam papers and what they actually physically look like really has to happen and i know some schools actually set a proper mock using a proper paper but it's not possible everywhere so at some point really really basic point but you've got to show them the exam paper and go you'll remember Sal like I do it's got an awful lot easier than it used to be do you remember the days when they had to wade through four lots of different topics that weren't there (gasps) did you ever have the experience I had which is one delightful young boy came out and said oh I know we did world war one but I love the Tudors in year eight so I thought I'd do that instead every year every year look at that I'd look at the results why did they why have why are there new scores against the unit that we oh is it because there are scores against the other unit what how is this possible oh I know so it's not as bad as it used to be if you don't remember those days you are a lucky person um but yeah actually familiarizing them with what the paper looks like and just taking the chance to go through that stuff that is uh that says um make sure that you number your answers carefully and ideally don't write separate bits of answers on separate bits of paper that's just become so essential now things are scanned in I was once really lucky I was uh, in the school at the time when a result dropped and I thought that is wrong you just you know you just think so we phone we we sent it was you'll know better than I do Sally about this you can send for the photocopy can't you and it's really cheap got it back straightforward simply the child had forgotten to uh, number the third essay therefore the third essay hadn't been marked oh no sent it straight back the a grade was in the bag right oh no on a technicality well weirdly if we'd gone for a remark it might not have got picked up yes 
Yeah, yeah. So we were really lucky. So get them to number things. Get yeah, them to write. I always said to them, right, leave a bit of a gap at the bottom of each answer. Then if you want to come back and continue, then you're continuing under the answer. Don't separate it. Because, again, if it's somebody on minimum wage scanning papers in, they're not necessarily going to realise there's a bit that says, please turn over. I've got another bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making it really clear and and attaching the the ex, any extra paper to the correct booklet, I think, is also really, really important. Um, if they is particularly if they have more than one booklet in the exam, um, making sure that it, they all go off together. Yeah, is they need they need telling all this stuff, don't they? Because bless yeah, them, it's yeah. uh, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, and it's it's they don't really want to have to think about that when they're going into the exam. That'd be really yeah. Um, anyway, like we've we've got two more little things to talk about, haven't we? So that so the um. The thing I was going to suggest next is is clips on YouTube. So going out and finding some good YouTube clips um, that you, you can create a playlist on YouTube. And then um, that helps them to kind of target their revision very specifically rather than just looking uh, online in general, playing, you know, falling down the YouTube hole and clicking through to video after video. Um, so I gather that on one big history department, there's already a really long list um, of, of very short clips of historians talking about different topics. I gather you've put that. You must have put that. Yeah. Together. Well, we, we it was a it was a crowdsourced effort again, as all these things are. And uh, and uh, somebody very very kindly QR code it for us. I think it was Greg. Um, oh which, wow! Which is just brilliant. Um, apologies if it wasn't. If it was Scott, I'm sorry. I can't remember. That's terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's all there in their three four minute talking heads. So again, it's about light relief, isn't it? Um, yeah. One of the things I've done over the years as well is actually record short help videos I mean sometimes um, of of me occasionally if I think right we've got this real need that I'm going to stick it up on the, the the VLE so they can get it in revision times as well or the middle of the night when I'm not there but actually what I also started doing latterly was um, um, recording things throughout the course as we went along so if a court if a, when you know when recordings become so straightforward um, just getting a couple of kids if they've done a really good answer to actually read that answer out or you know if we're having a really good active session actually then just to record a few minutes to camera of the thinking um, and oh, then yeah. just save those up and whop them in one place so they can go back through them when they're revising and it double thing really one is again it's a bit of light relief because they're hearing the material in a different way but also hopefully it makes them think oh yeah that lesson oh I remember that you know oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah that's so, great um, and, yeah. and they're obviously they just last for the couple of years of the class because you don't not not can't really use them with a the class the following no. year unless they're really brilliant but uh, but it but it's good it's not it's not an onerous thing to do yeah and that's a great idea so I've I've got some short videos on on the different question types that I share with students via Google Classroom um, and it has seemed to have a really measurable impact on achievement this year because lots of the students told me after the mocks that they'd watched a couple of the videos over and over again and they have done better than my cohort last year um, so I, I tend to keep mine really short so five or ten minutes and I record it either on my phone or on a GoPro depending on um, what I've got available to me um, but I love the idea of getting the, the students to read it to camera um, particularly their previous answers because I think particularly if it's something that's that's come from them early in in the course so you know in in, in year 10 then they love to look back at themselves and, oh yeah. I can't believe yeah. what my hair was like oh I can't yeah. believe yeah oh I've had them dressing up I've had them stood in front of the big map of Europe talking about why Belgium's buggered I mean not quite like that but you know that <laughs> <laughs> was in the invasion of something or other you know <laughs> yeah anyway there we go there's a few ideas for revision tips there are so many aren't they but yeah just good gracious keeping everybody sane to the end yeah yeah gosh we've yeah we've we've done a we've <laughs> we've we've got through a lot of different tips tonight so that, yeah that's really good yeah um, well, i hope that was hope that was useful and uh good to talk to you as ever sal and yeah uh, 
See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye.